0: Lord, this morning we recognize that we're a blessed people, and we're a blessed church. And so, Lord, we ask that not only would we be ones that would be blessed, but that we would be a blessing. So use this time, as you have used each element of this service of worship, to bring you glory, honor, and praise. May the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts together, be acceptable unto you, O Lord, our strength, and our redeemer. Amen. Have you ever heard something that sounds like news that's too good to be true? Sure you have. Maybe when the announcer declares that you've won the grand prize at the raffle drawing. Or that advertisement that you see late at night that says, drop 25 pounds the easy way. (laughs) Or when the salesman on the car lot says, you got to know I'm losing money on this thing. (laughs) Or when your spouse says, Honey, my parents are not coming after all. (laughs) News that's too good to be true. Well, that must have been the way the besieged city of Syria felt when they heard the report of some outcast lepers. An obscure scripture, an unusual scripture, as Carolyn described for us, it's kind of what she said. It's dropped in in the midst of some unusual kinds of things. And it's encapsulated almost by itself. But oh, it holds such weight in terms of implications for rise. It's a setting of war. And if you can envision, you have the city of Samaria. And they have a fortress around them. And King Aram's army has pressed in, and King Aram's army is overwhelming. It's a David and Goliath scenario. And outside the city are four lepers, and, and they are outcast and they're considered unclean and they're off to the side and they're partitioned off. Quarantined. And so what has happened is King Aram and his mighty forces have not only fought against Samaria, but they've cut off all water and food line that goes into, uh, supply lines have been cut. And so this city is starving to death. And these lepers who were part of Samaria, but on the outside, are starving to death. And so they are faced with a dilemma. Uh, they, They ask some very good questions, and we have the privilege of overhearing them as they explore their options. And as they talk among themselves, they say, why right here? They say to one another, why do we sit here until we die? We're starving to death, and we've been held captive outside these gates. Why would we want to stay here? And then they went to another option. And they pointed to Samaria. And they said, why there? If we say we're going back into the city, there's famine in the city. And we will die there. And so they're thinking fairly logical to this point. And they're saying, you know, if we stay here, we're going to cease to exist. We're going to die. If we go in there, but we're not going to be any better off because they're in bad shape. So if we're not going to stay here and we're not going back into the city we know well that's not doing well, maybe we ought to roll the dice. And so with that, they decide to get up and they say to themselves, maybe we can go into the enemy's ranks. They may accept us, or they may take our lives. They may kill us. But, you know, if we stay here, we're going to die. And if we go into the city, we're going to die. So why not go into the teeth of the enemy? Why not die somewhere where we've not been? (laughs) Why not die in an exciting way? And so they head into a reckless abandon, and they go for it. The lepers head right into what they believe is the encampment of the city, but it's been vacated. They were stirred, and they became afraid, and in a moment of panic, they left everything behind. They thought the Egyptians had aligned forces with the Hittites on behalf of the Samaritans. And they thought, we're going to be overwhelmed. We must retreat back to our homeland. And so they left their livestock. They left their animals. They left their silver. Their gold. They left their food. And it was all there. Can you imagine? These lepers. It was news. Too good to be true. And so they stepped into that bountiful place. And, and I can just hear them. And, and and the scripture even lets us in on it. It talks about how they, they were trying on clothing. Can you picture them? And they were they were they were feeding their faces and they were they were drinking and they were throwing up all of this jewelry, silver and gold and they began to hoard the stuff. They began to hide it so that no one would find it. They stockpiled it. And and these guys couldn't believe it. And then there was a (coughs) moment where they stopped. And get this. Here's what they said. What we are doing is not right. This is good news and we're keeping silent. You know, there's a whole city over there that's dying. We ought to invite them into the plenty. Because there's plenty to go around. And there's enough to share. Well, when they went into the city, I'm sure there was some skepticism. These guys not only have a skin disorder, they have a psychological problem. (laughs) And they disclose that great news. The enemy has fled. There is food available. Come and see. And so, I, I think about how they were confronted with some important questions. As they struggled with those options, do we die here, do we die in the city, or do we do we go all in and do something crazy? And when they did that, they discovered so much. And in that questioning, they probably thought, is there enough for me? In that process, when they got into that encampment, I wonder if they thought, is there enough for me? Some of you may be asking that question today. Is there enough for me? When it comes to God's grace, Tim, you don't realize the kind of life I have lived. You don't understand the mistakes that I've been a part of. Is there enough grace for me? And I want to say to you, absolutely yes. God's grace is bigger than our worst mistake. God's grace is more than sufficient. And the wonderful news, news that's too good to almost be true, but for us in Christ it is, that there's forgiveness for the sinner. So Tim, is there enough grace for me? Sure there is. But what what about the time that I'm moving through right now? Is there enough strength to get through The difficult time in my life, I've I've moved through a dark night of the soul, and I'm hanging on, and there's not much to hang on to. Well, I want to say to you, the answer is yes. There's strength and bountiful supply to the power of Christ. We don't find it in ourselves. We find it beyond ourselves. We find it in those who come alongside of us as the Holy Spirit allows their encouragement to become real in our lives. We find it in that Holy Spirit that speaks to us in a still, quiet voice that gives us an inner fortitude. And so you may be asking, is there enough? Is there enough strength for me? And I want to say yes. God will provide for you. There may even be some here today that has said, Tim, I've had limited resources. I've made some mistakes financially. Some things were beyond my control. And I just wonder, like that hymn we just sang, Will God take care of me? And I want to say to you, yes, for he has taken care of me. I want to kind of pull the curtain back and let you hear a little bit of my story, more importantly, my mother's story. She was raised in Eastern Kentucky, impoverished, and uh, had nothing growing up, and had uh, some money that she had gotten for cleaning and rode a bus to a major city in Kentucky and there went to business school and married my father and, and really was able to, to rise above so much and there was a great deal of dysfunction. She she had a, an alcoholic stepfather that abused her and so there were just a number of things that entered in uh, to her world view and in a wonderful way she gave her life. Christ, but there was still a good bit of brokenness in her life. And and we saw that even at the end of her life. She had become much more gracious in relating to people. But there was some unfinished business in terms of, will God take care of me? She was dying of cancer, and uh, I traveled to Kentucky, and and, and while I was with Dad, she was in hospice, and we were trying to work through some of the financial things. She had handled most of the money, and, and we were making sure that things were set for the funeral. We knew the end was near for her. And and Dad said, Tim, in a strange way, there is a deposit that is coming through the checkbook every month, and I don't know where that's coming from. And I said, well, that's better than a debit that you don't know." <laughs> Where that's coming from I said uh, we probably needed to go to the bank and figure out what that is because Social Security was pretty clear uh, there were some other things that were pretty clear but he, he did not know where this was coming from it was about $200 a month and so we went to the bank we sat down we had to show our IDs and, and uh, the man across the desk the banker said uh, Mr. Stefan uh, your wife has your name on account and over the years in the last ten years She has saved sixty thousand dollars. And that is in a CD. Dad went back and visited with mom. He wasn't going to confront it so much. But she brought it up. She said, Did you you were working on money? Did you see the account? Uh, and, And he said yes. And she said, you know, growing up poor. I was always afraid. I didn't mean to keep it from you, but if something happened to you, I wanted to make sure I had something. And I just held it to the side. And he said, that's okay. Now, let me share with you another story. There were years when our kids were young, and we would take that time check and say, you know, we really haven't put anything in college in terms of investment. We, we really need to do that. And so we put a little bit in there, but we continued to tie. Well, it, it, it came time, and Jacob wanted to go to a private school, our firstborn. And we didn't know how we were going to do it, and we weren't committed necessarily uh, to borrowing money. And we didn't want him to come out of college with a lot of debt. And so we looked at some creative things, but we were coming up short. Sure. Months later, I had that conversation with my dad. We went to the bank, and he said, You know, your mom and I talked, and she'd like to roll that 60000 into an educational fund for the kids. Is there enough to go around? Is there enough for me? And the answer is yes. Philippians 4.13 says, He shall supply all your needs according to His riches in glory. His riches are great. And I believe that God will supply all that we need as a church and for us individually if we're faithful. And so is there enough for me? That must have been a question for them as they entered into that encampment. Yes, sinners can be saved. Lost can be found. Broken relationships can be mended. Purpose can be restored and resources can be supplied. This morning, I really believe that God has more than enough for us because he's more than enough for us. But then they entered and there was a dawning revelation. There was a moment, a crucible moment, where they said, you know what, this hoarding and this consumption and and all of this is not right for just us to hold on to there's a dying city we must go in and share with them the good news and I think about that for us for there is a dying world and there are people that are broken and need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and in a wonderful way we have received Christ We are the beneficiaries of his redemption. But it would be wrong for us to keep that to ourselves. It would be wrong to hold that simply close as something precious, but unwilling to give to others. And so I want to say to you, you are placed at the intersections of life. You are placed in... In locations, strategic locations that God has you in. And I really believe that he does not want you to hold the gospel to yourself. He wants you to invite people into a relationship with him. And and that can mean a lot of things. That can mean, very simply, you telling your story about how Christ has made a difference in your life. In a a non-arrogant kind of way. In a gracious way. It may mean that you just simply invite a person to meet you at church or you pick them up and you invite them so that they hear the gospel, so that they enter into a community of faith. I really believe as we head into 2014, I want to give you a challenge here. Each one can reach one. That challenge is before you. I really believe God is, it's no mistake where you are in your life, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in this community, and I want to encourage you To be invitational. You know, one of the things we wrapped up recently was belonging. And we did an awesome job with that because we were able to capture how we're pretty good at belonging to each other. We're really good with each other. But one of the things that Martha Bowman Church needs to do is begin to really reach out again in special ways to be invitational. Kind of like the woman at the well. Do you remember her, the woman from Sychar? She came at high noon because of the shame of her life. She didn't want to be seen and ridiculed by other women. And so she went to that well by herself. She encountered Jesus. And in a very, very special moment, she realized that this was the Savior. And one of the ways that she discovered that was he was able to say everything about her. He was able to know everything about her. And you remember she dropped her bucket. She entered into the village of Sychar to family and friends. And they knew her reputation. And she said what? Come and see the man that knows everything about me. And an entire village runs down the hill, encounters Christ. And the whole village is converted. She was unwilling to hold it. Simply to herself. The New Testament church is one that was willing to share in Acts 2. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders when the Holy Spirit came. And there were signs that were performed by the apostles, and all the believers were together and had everything in common. Get this. And they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who would have need. And every day they continued to pray together. They broke bread together, and they offered praise unto God. You know, God has called us to be very, very special people. I really believe in the church. And he has blessed us. Because our Mark Bowman experience has been tremendous. And it would be wrong for us to somehow pour that experience away from others. And so one of the messages for us is to be invitational. And it's also a message of sharing our resources with others. I was at a church where, it was a small church, and we couldn't get around to the back of the church because there was property right adjacent. There was a cemetery, then there was a building, and then there was property owned by someone else, and we couldn't get behind it. We couldn't access the back part of our property. And uh, as a young pastor, I, I uh, was very aggressive, and so I, I contacted the neighbor, and, and uh, for a while there wasn't a whole lot of conversation. And so he finally responded to an invitation to come and meet with me. And so I called my district superintendent, and I said to the district superintendent, "You know the story. You're committed to this church, and, and there's a there's a struggle, and we cannot get behind." The church. We can't access the property that we have with vehicles. Uh, and I'd like for you to be there uh, when I introduce myself to this neighbor, this landholder, and, uh, and, and just pray for us and, and just be a presence to the United Methodist Church. And, and so um, this district superintendent said, Yes, I'll do that. And so on the way over that morning, this district superintendent called me and said, hey, I need to share with you that when we sit down with this gentleman, I know you want to ask to buy the property, but I feel led to ask him to give the four acres. And I said to the district superintendent, I believe, but help my unbelief. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, And I said, I don't want to offend this person. He said, you just leave that to God. You just leave that to God. Wise counsel. And so the district superintendent and I sat down, and this landowner sat down, and and uh, we talked, and I prayed, and I introduced him, and I told him my situation, and he was very kind to listen, very non-committal, but very kind to listen. And then, and then the district superintendent said this, get this, he said, <clears throat> he said to the man, you really have three options you have three options. You could sell this property to somebody else and make a lot of money off of it. It's got frontage. uh, It it would do well. This is a growing area. He said number two, you could sell it to the church at a fair market price. They could give you X number of dollars and that would be a a wonderful thing and they would have access to the back of the church. But I want to say this. You could truly be blessed by helping the kingdom of God and the church and these good folks, if you would share some of your resources, in the sense that if you would, I'm gonna ask you to give that four and a half acres to this church. And what I want you to do is to pray about it and then call your senior, call, call this pastor back, me. Okay. And so I thought, oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> called me back and said you know my wife and I have talked and we've decided to take that third option that was presented to us we'd like to give that property to the church now do you know who that district superintendent was that was my district superintendent (laughs) John to meet with some of you. No, <laughs> But what a glorious thing. Because a lot of things happened. You had great faith of a man of God. You had a young pastor that was growing in his faith. And you had a man, a late person of a different church who said, you know what? It would be wrong for me to hold all of this to myself I am going to share it with others. Isn't that wonderful? And you know what? We continue to have that opportunity. And you think, well, Tim, I'm not a large landholder. Okay? And and I don't have a whole lot of assets. Well, let me me just say this. I really believe that that Martha Bowman Church can do something. and and do something significant in the next couple of years, and you'll have the opportunity to, to step up to that challenge. But on an individual basis, let me close with this. One of the things that you and I have taken on is this, that every day we live our lives, we need to recognize that someone needs a little bit of my time, someone needs a little bit of my encouragement, and someone needs a little bit of my money. Let me say it again. Every day, I have an opportunity to make a difference in somebody's life. I'm willing to give them a little bit of my time, a little bit more courage, encouragement, and a little bit more of my money. And that last one, we think, oh, hey, wait a minute. What do you mean? And I'm just talking about special gifts. The waitress... At the restaurant, You tip her generously. Uh, You you know someone of need. And you say look. I've got this. So I want to say to you. Our prayer. Unto the Lord is this very simple. Like those lepers. God. You have blessed us in so many ways. And, And we are the recipients of that. Help us not to hold it too close, but to share it with those who are lost. That's our mission. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.